Hey, Sasha. Hey, Courtney. What do you call a Yeti with a six-pack? I don't know. Um, a shreddy Yeti? That's a great guess, but no. It's obviously an abdominal snowman. (laughs) 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 Do you even lift, bro? paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two halloweenies this is sasha who is not a shreddy yeti or an abdominal snowman this is i'm the opposite of that yeah this is courtney and i'm a body positive bunyip nice so we love a buddy positive bunyip yeah that was the first b cryptid i could think of (laughs) i'm just incredibly amazed that you have such a good brain that like allows you to unearth cryptids that we haven't talked about in a really long time (laughs) because i am the dumbest boy in school and like cannot remember what i ate for breakfast you say that now literally earlier today i got like two-thirds of the way into the first part of my research like i was like putting in my like conclusion paragraph and then i was like have we talked about this before oh no and we may have but i don't give a shit i put the time in I'm yeah. leaving it out anyway. <laughs> also, I mean, raise your hand if you've listened to every single episode of Spoop Hour. Yeah, there's like, like three hands raised. Right. And also, like, that's a lot of episodes. Yeah. Unless you listen to them all back to back and like have recently listened to them. Yeah. You've probably also forgotten. I have. Because I know I have. Yeah, I have a pretty good memory. <laughs> and yeah, you do. I spend a lot of time listening to these episodes when I edit them. But at this mm-hmm. point, we've done so goddamn many. It's hard to remember like... What did we talk about on this? And what have we just, like, incidentally talked about over the 15 years of our friendship or whatever? Right. And, like, oh, what have we said? Like, oh, this would be interesting to delve deeper into later. And so we've touched the surface, but we haven't, like, gone into it. And, yeah. In the case of this thing that I'm going to talk about, I talked about it with a friend of mine from my meetup group Mm. within the past few weeks. And so I'm, like, I, I was, like, I don't remember if... This is familiar because I read it before and was talking to her about it, or if it's familiar because in the episode, like, we have definitely talked about it as a concept in something, but I don't remember what we went into about it. Yeah. Also, I looked it up. I lied. It was not over a year ago, but it was over six months ago. So I think I'm well within the window. And if I was the one who talked about it, past Courtney, what were you thinking? It's very much more a holiday topic needs the holiday theme music, not a springtime topic, you big dumb dummy. <laughs> you big dumb dummy, the dumbest boy in the school. Dumbest. <laughs> Welcome to Spoop Hour, a paranormal comedy post- podcast hosted by two of the dumbest boys in school. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can find the dumbest boys on, in school on the internet <laughs> at Spoop Hour on Instagram and Twitter, and you can email us at spoophour at gmail.com. We have a listener story. We have a listener story. We have a listener story from listener Nora. Hi, Nora. Hi, Nora. All right. So Nora writes, my father-in-law was super close with my oldest, but he died the day we were meant to hold the baby shower for our second child when my wife was seven months pregnant with Mo. uh, Sorry, seven months pregnant and Mo was five. My oldest was heartbroken and has a picture of him framed in her room. Aw. My youngest has seen him and vaguely knows who he was and that he loved her, too, very much. But sometimes she is talking in her room and says she's talking to Grampy uh, or she pulls out random shit. Morgan has an asthma attack and Lily will say that Grampy is worried about her getting sick again and that he's sorry. Mo went to her Grampy's house when they went fishing and her feet got soaked and then she got violently sick. Three days later, she collapsed on the ground in our living room with blue lips and we rushed her across the street, not breathing. She had developed her first pneumonia and Grampy blamed himself for it. What the fuck? 
Grampy. Um, when she was three, Lily very seriously told our boxer Percy that Grampy was joking and he didn't hate him. Grampy was not a dog person and complained about him constantly, but they also had a weird love-hate thing going on that we laughed at a lot. That kind of shit constantly popped up when Lily was younger, and I'm usually a skeptic about ghosts, but even I wonder if Grampy isn't maybe haunting Lily. She never minded either way. Hmm. She also claims to be talking to Percy since he died when she was four, but that might be wishful thinking because Lily and Percy loved each other. I included some baby and dog spam as well. <gasps> so there are some cute baby and dog photos. Yay! Oh, that, that's very uh, cute. Thank you, Nora. Thank you, that's... Nora. We were just talking about haunted babies. That's yeah. spooky. <laughs> I just, oh, baby, baby, baby dog. No, baby. Baby also, dog. Nora, I see your question at the end. I'm so sorry. I was observing the rule of we don't look at these before we read them on the air so that our reaction is is authentic and so i did not see the thing you asked but i will handle it thank you <laughs> oh but grampy grampy that's i mean that just reminds me of like my mom seeing her grandpa's mm-hmm. like at at the beach, memorial yeah. picnic like they were you know having a picnic in honor of grandpa uh, of jichan mm-hmm. and then like she was like oh there's there's grandpa sitting Sitting over there, <laughs> that's because your mom sees like, ghosts. Uh, it's, a ghost sees ghosts. it's like totally normal. Speaking of yeah. ghost magnets, did anything spooky happen to you this week? Hmm. Did I text you about anything spooky happening? I feel like I this don't week. Think so this week was a light on spook week. I it was think. a light on spooky things. I drove past some cemeteries when I, I went down to Richmond for a couple hours the other day to visit a friend, and I'm making a list of cemeteries to go to. Oh. There's one by me you should go to. Yeah, I, I really want to go congressional. It's cool. Yeah. I, Old AF. There's, yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff that like I wanted to do over winter break, but with the Omi, yeah. Rona, More I'm like... like the Oni, am I right? Uh, throw beans at it. Or, um, oh, we should. We should. That'll fix it. That's that's the that's the, the Oni Uesoto we need to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had like plans. I was like, I'm going to go to the National Cathedral. I'm going to go to some cemeteries. I'm going to go do fun things. And I'm going to go to like, you know, s- small towns in Maryland to go mm-hmm. see them. And it's like, no, the spookiest thing of all is Omicron. Mm-hmm. So get your booster if you haven't already. I know that's like really easy to say when there's like vaccine inequity across the United States. But if you can get boosted, go get your booster. Yeah. But that's that's about it. For me, I think I went to the doctor today, which is always spooky, but it was, you may recall, regular listeners podcast, I had shingles on my face last year. Yes. And last year they had me set up an appointment for a year out, and I assumed it was a, let's check and make sure that your eyeballs are still functioning a year out from this thing that can, you know, make you lose your vision or kill you or whatever. And I'm like, great, no problem. Well, apparently my doctor's office was under the impression that it was just a routine eye exam. So they go, we're going to dilate you now. And I'm like, excuse me, I drove myself here and you did not say anything about dilation. So I'm, how about no, thank you. And then the doctor comes in and I was like, yeah, I mostly just wanted like a follow up shingles appointment. Like, am I, am I still good? And she was like reading my file and she's like, shingle, you had the lesions and everything. And I go, Yes. It was just a weird doctor's visit where I was like, why am I rehashing the shingles that I had? Like, it, it, it's happened. Huh. I had a weird doctor's appointment last week, too. <gasps> but it was just more of like, I I just now know that my brain doesn't produce chemicals to shoot out eggs. Yay! <laughs> Yay. Womb, womb, womb's haunted. Maybe you have so many eggs, you're like, a, more eggs than a chicken coop. Is that a phrase? Yeah. I don't know, but I just don't want anything beyond twins, so we'll see. Yeah. And then when I have twins, they can be spooky. You can talk to them about (gasps) And they can have their own secret language, and then they can stop talking to other people, and then one will say (laughs) that neither, uh, both of us can't be alive at the same time. It'll be like all those horrible spooky twins we've talked about. No more spooky twins. Never mind. They'll just see ghosts. They'll be normal twins. They'll be normal spooky twins where they just see ghosts, not like super spooky twins. Right. Where they have just like twin... Spooky twin bullshit, but, like, in a fun way. Yeah. It's so. like, we're, we're not having, like, Riverdale twins. No, you're not having, like, the Shining twins. No. So. But we are having a festive holiday season. We are! So you heard our holiday music. And, great news, for the first time this holiday season, I have a spooky holiday game. I mean, it's not spooky. Woo! 
There could be toys. But the holiday game, games, games, games. We love games. This came to me today. And I got an early release from work, and I was like, <sighs> I know how I'm going to use this early release. And also, I may have gotten Starbucks to hype myself up to go to the doctor, because yeah. I'm an adult Ooh. who doesn't like going to the doctor, because I get anxiety. So I got oh, Starbucks, yeah. so I was, like, super caffeinated, and I'm like, let's fucking go! No, I think I, I stand by, we should be giving ourselves little rewards. Yeah. Because life is too short it's to not true. celebrate the the things that we accomplish, even, no matter true. how small. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to the doctor. So I got Starbucks. So I was like, hype. Oh, that was a spooky thing that happened. You and I oh. took chaos naps at about the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so. True. Spooky. We're spooky. So in sync because we're hot and nice and witches in love. This yes, we are. game is called Low Saturnalia. Yay. So here's how the game works. I'm going to read out a wintertime tradition, and okay. you are going to say low Saturnalia, meaning that it's a Christmas tradition that was adopted from Saturnalia practices, or sure. more like Saturnalia, which means it comes from something else. I was very proud of that when I wrote it. I may have been still on my, like, Starbucks caffeine high. She she gave me the talk to the hand when she said Saturnalia. More like Saturnalia. <laughs> Saturnabrolia. <laughs> so... Just as a quick overview, I don't know if we've actually gone into detail about Saturnalia on this podcast, but Saturnalia mm-hmm. was an ancient Roman tradition around this time of year, coinciding with the solstice about, you know, getting the sun to come back. And it was in mm-hmm. honor of Saturn, who was the god of agriculture. So basically just like, we would like the sun to come back so our plants will grow and we won't starve to death. Let's celebrate. And a lot mm-hmm. of modern Christmas traditions are founded in that because when you hear things like oh christmas was stolen from the pagans or whatever it's based on the solstice this is where that comes from so obviously a lot of christmas is from other stuff but a good chunk of it is from saturnalia so again you're gonna say low saturnalia or more like saturnalia let's go this comes from history.com travelingboy.com euronews.com walkinfusscandies.com which may be my new favorite source of all time walkinfusscandies wgno.com and wikipedia guess what i can say give them some money give them some money as a private citizen all right are you ready yes first one i love scattering fir branches around the house for a festive touch Low Saturnalia. Low Saturnalia. Romans and other ancient peoples would place pine, spruce, and fir tree branches over the doors and windows to keep illness, ghosts, and evil spirits slash the devil at bay. I like that. This would ultimately become the Christmas tree tradition, but it started Mm. as just like throwing some branches around. Throwing boughs of holly and like we've got the, you know, big long garlands Mm -hmm. of that's, I, You gotta keep the devil out. Otherwise, it's going to get in. Love it. Also, I recently learned that holly is from a Middle English word that means prickly. Oh. So if your name is holly, congratulations on the new fun fact that you can tell people about your name. I have. I I know hollies. Yeah. Tell them that. Nice. (laughs) All right. Second one. Gather round as I open the advent calendar to see what small gift I get today. Ooh. I do love an advent calendar, but is that Saturnalia or not? Uh, sorry, you had to see that face. Um, uh, Sa- Saturnalia. Saturnalia, no. fam. Okay. Early versions of the advent calendar started in Germany in the early 1900s. Okay. So, yeah. That's, and yeah. as far as I can tell, does not have its roots in Saturnalia. It simply isn't Christmas time until I burn my Yule log. Saturnalia, yeah. Low Saturnalia. Low Saturnalia. Yeah. The Yule log slash bonfire was an important part of Saturnalia as a way to encourage the sun to return. So, you know, it's dark I and scary. Sh- so you would find, I, yeah. like, the biggest log you could and set it on fire. So then the sun would be like, oh, I want to come party. Yeah. I have donned my gay apparel and I brought presents. Uh, Saturnalia, that's... No, it's low Saturnalia. It is low Saturnalia. Oh, it is dang. on both counts. So Romans oh. would swap out their standard garb for synthesis, which was colorful clothing. Oh, so they did don their gay apparel. They did. Literally no other description of synthesis exists other than that it's described as colorful. Gay apparel. Because <laughs> nobody described it like they were just oh. like it's more colorful than what they usually wore but then it's just like is it like are we talking like a toga is it a different style of thing? right it was just called synthesis no details they would just say it's their synthesis it's colorful garb 
as far as I can tell. And then, and presents. And presents. So gifts were encouraged, and many were candles called seray to signify the light coming back after solstice. So it was just traditional you bring gifts. So yeah, just, okay, cool. Yeah. For Christmas this year, I'm lighting the fire using a mirror and the sun. Saturnalia. Saturnalia. I realize that's not like a common Christmas tradition, but it was cool, so I wanted to put it in the game. Oh, yeah. This is rooted in Inti Raimi, an Inca winter solstice celebration. Oh, that's cool. Solstice is so fun. Solstice is so fun. There's all kinds of cool solstice traditions. You gotta love it. Because everybody was like, oh no, it's dark, I'm scared. Please make the light come back. It's just, like, unfortunate, though, that, like, unless you actively, like, already know about, like, solstice traditions from, like, your own, like like your family's traditions Mm -hmm. or maybe like you happen to have like a town that has you know those traditions at least in like you know suburban virginia or whatever like it's just it's christmas or nothing Mm -hmm. you know and like there's not really like you there used to be a yule log at like the white house christmas tree Mm -hmm. uh outdoor thing but then because of the environment they were like actually we're not going to do that anymore um And yeah, it's like there's not really like any solstice-y things. It's all just Christmassy. I yeah, feel like, oh, I've, but solstice is so fun. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Here in America, we cribbed from a lot of cultures to put together our like Christmas and holiday traditions. But we didn't but crib from we, enough. We didn't crib like a lot of the cool shit. Like we didn't take yeah. any of the monsters. We didn't take any of the cool weird pagan shit. Like we yeah. could have cranked That's this why up I, a little I love, I love when... when like okay, Richmond, for example, has a Krampus walk. Mm-hmm. Like I love when when towns do like uh, embrace that stuff. But I'm like, man, yeah. we didn't crib crib the cool parts. No, of things. and that's why I'm gonna get Cagatio for your kids. We learned about Uncle Poop last year, yep. where you like hit them with sticks to make candy come out. But we're doing yeah. that. We're You're doing welcome. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got the royal icing, gingerbread, and sweets. Let's build a gingerbread house. God, I hope that I hope this is right. Low Saturnalia. Saturna fam. No, dang, they didn't make gingerbread houses. They didn't. Well, gingerbread <laughs> itself has roots in ancient Roman honey cakes because gingerbread was yeah. traditionally sweetened with honey. Gingerbread houses themselves originated German? in Germany. Yep, sometime yeah. <laughs> around the 18th century, and they were possibly due to the popularity of the Grimm's fairy tale Hansel and Gretel. Oh, okay. So everybody may have just been like, ooh, a witch lives in a gingerbread house? What if we build a little gingerbread house? And it got popularized in, like, the UK and further west because I think it was Queen Elizabeth I, Mm -hmm. or it may have been Victoria. It was one of the the old-timey queens created, like, had people over at her house, and she commissioned a baker to make gingerbread figures of everybody who attended. That sounds like a Queen Victoria thing. Yeah, so it was was either her or the first Elizabeth. It was one of them. And so you went home with, like, a little gingerbread dude that looked like you. (laughs) And so then that kind of popularized the idea of, like, let's decorate gingerbread for the UK outside of gingerbread houses. Okay, so that is very modern and Western. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Enjoy this Christmas cake, but keep an eye out for a coin that makes you king for a day. I know this tradition, but I don't think this... I think this is Saturnalia, right? Low Saturnalia! No, it is Low Saturnalia! It is Low Saturnalia! Oh, okay, it is related to, Okay, because I remember... He, we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm, as the king cake I didn't, King cake, yeah. Right, so, this is the origins. Yes, so the okay. king cake, I believe, traces back to French tradition, which I believe uh-huh. then traces back to the Saturnalia tradition in which many uh. Roman households would choose a mock king, leader of Saturnalia, or lord of misrule, because it was believed that Saturn was kind of like a chaos god, and he uh-huh. like ruled over chaos. So it was kind of to oh, celebrate yeah. that to be like, I'm the lord of misrule, which is a pretty baller title to have. Yeah. Don't forget to leave out cookies and milk for Santa, and maybe a snack for the reindeer too. That that that's that's Saturnalia. You're right, yeah. Saturna fam. While there are multiple theories as to why we leave out milk and cookies for Santa, some of which we're going to get into in a minute, Ooh. none are linked to Saturnalia. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm taking the day off and giving a day off to everyone who works under me too. Low Saturnalia. Low Saturnalia. Traditionally, during Saturnalia, enslaved people were given temporary freedom and encouraged to participate in the merrymaking alongside their oppressors. So on the one hand, it's nice that they get, like, the month off, but on the other hand, don't enslave people. Yeah. Yep. So, real mixed bag. (laughs) And finally, 
Looks like you're standing under the mistletoe. Pucker up. Low Saturnalia. Saturnalia. No, dang it. It had a plant. (laughs) (laughs) This has roots in Norse mythology, and today I'm going to tell you why we smooch under mistletoe. And this is the thing that I got two-thirds of the way into my research and was like, we may have already talked about this. That's okay. But I don't remember, so you shouldn't either. And if you do remember, (laughs) no, you don't. (laughs) No, you don't. You don't. No. Guess like girl bus. <laughs> Guess like gatekeep girl bus. Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready to hear about why we smooch under the mistletoe? I am. Yeah. Tell mm. me about this. You're mm. going to love the way this ends, too, because I don't think we talked about that because I would remember. Okay. I would remember. I'm excited. <laughs> so this comes from whychristmas.com, time.com, altogetherchristmas.com, ambius.com, norse-mythology.org, Wikipedia, give them some money, britannica.com, and thoughtco.com. An evergreen Christmas tradition in America is kissing under the mistletoe. But did you know it's because of a long folkloric folkloric walk from Norse mythology? Folkloric is what you eat in and around the holidays. (laughs) So, (laughs) First things first, we need to talk about the old Norse god Baldur, who was one of the sons of the chief god Odin and his second slash favorite wife and maybe daughter. I put in my notes, mythology, am I right? (laughs) Who knows? So Frigg was the goddess of love, fertility, and marriage. So she plus Odin equals Baldur. And a couple other kids, but like the one we're talking about is Baldur. This is where I think we may have talked about this a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I don't recall. Mm. I know we talked about mistletoe because I put it in an episode description and I googled spoop hour mistletoe, but sorry if you're hearing this for a second time. So Baldur was the most handsome of the sons of Odin and Frigg, and accordingly, he was the god of truth, light, and sometimes peace, depending on who you ask. Mm -hmm. He was also pretty universally loved by the Norse peoples because he was the god of truth and light, so people were like, that guy rules! Plus, he was handsome, and you know, it's nice to have hot people around. Yeah. Which we know because we're very hot and nice, and which is in love. So, Baldur started having nightmares of his impending death, and once that happened, everybody kind of freaked out, particularly his mother, Frigg. Because, again, universally beloved, not good that he's having nightmares about his own violent death. Odin even traveled down to the underworld to consult a dead oracle to ask about it, only to find the underworld preparing for a massive feast. And the dead oracle, when Odin asked, was like, oh yeah, we're, we're about to honor Baldur because he's about to come down here. And Odin, oh. who was in, describe, in disguise at the time, was like, sorry, what's going to happen to Baldur? Like, what's what's going on? And the oracle started to answer before realizing who she was talking to, and then she kept her mouth shut. <laughs> okay, I didn't like. I was like, I know Baldur. Why do I know Baldur from? He's the main antagonist of the 2018 video game God of War. Yes, and yeah. Jack... I was like, wait. <laughs> Jack was watching a playthrough of that months ago. Uh-huh. And, like, he's really hard to defeat in God of War. Yeah. And, like, at one point, you know, the person he was watching do the playthrough was having, like, conflict with him. And it's like, this guy's, like, basically invincible. And I go, do you have some mistletoe? Because it's the thing that'll kill him. And Jack goes, I think the video game is assuming you don't know that. And I'm like, well, I do. So well, tough luck I do. For the so where's game. my mistletoe? <laughs> yeah. Give me the, my mistletoe. Let's go. Anyway, so they have now basically confirmed Baldur is going to die. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Spoiler alert, it's going to involve mistletoe, but they don't know that yet, but we do. That's fine. But we do. So Odin came back, and he told Frigg what he had heard, and Frigg was extremely unhappy. She was like, my boy, my beautiful boy, not my beautiful boy. <laughs> so in the hopes of protecting her favorite son, basically, Frigg approached every living thing that grew on Earth to an- obtain an oath that they would not harm Baldur. So she got all the living things that grew on the planet Earth to say, yeah, fine, we're not going to harm him. Because, again, everybody agreed because he was universally beloved. Everybody loved Baldur, so they were like, yeah, of course I'm not going to kill him. That dude rules. Mm -hmm. So, seemingly, we're golden. Everything that grew on the planet Earth agreed because everybody in the universe loves Baldur. He's going to be fine. The oath has worked. No harm's going to come to him. And because of this oath, the gods even got a new favorite game, which is they threw shit at Baldur because he's now immune from harm. So whatever you throw at him is just going to ping off. Like they started with pebbles. And when those pinged off, they started throwing bigger and bigger shit at him because, you know, you're a god and why the fuck not? 
It sounds like a party game. Yeah, and so they started throwing, like, Thor's axes at him, just, like, all kinds of shit, and it just pings (laughs) off of him because everything swore we're not going to hurt Balder, so he's like, great. And it was during this raucous game that Loki, the trickster god, whom we have for sure talked about before, Mm -hmm. rolled up in the guise of an old hag, and he's like, why is everybody so happy? That's my old hag voice. Frigg said they were celebrating Balder, and Loki's like, oh, really? Why? (laughs) And Frigg explained, well, Baldur's been having these terrible dreams that he's going to die, so I got everything on Earth to swear this oath. You know, they all promised, everything that grew on Earth promised we're not going to hurt Baldur, so now nothing can hurt him. Now we've got this cool, fun game. So old hag Loki said, hmm, all things on Earth? (laughs) And Frigg said, yeah. Although in some versions she even specifically said, well... Not mistletoe, because it's so small, and what harm could possibly come from mistletoe? So, (laughs) who cares about mistletoe? So, depending (laughs) on the version you hear, she was either extremely smug about it and mentioned mistletoe explicitly, or Loki kind of, like, teased it out of her. Mm. So, Loki's wheels are now turning. He's he's got some schemes going on. He's like, there's too much fun in this, and I'm the official party pooper of Norse mythology. Like, we can only have a party if I am the center of attention. (sighs) So, I gotta shut this shit down. So he located mistletoe and he located he located he located mistletoe. <laughs> and if you're in the version where Frigg doesn't outright say, well, mistletoe is so small, I didn't ask it. The reason why mistletoe is an exception is because it grows on a tree's branches, not out of the earth itself. So it's a loophole. Uh, it's a Loki loophole, you know. Uh, so he it. finds mistletoe and he's crafted a small spear out of it. But in classic Loki fashion, he's going to start the shit, but he's not going to do it directly. He came back to Asgard, where the throw things at Baldur game was still going on in full force, and he approached Hodder, who was Baldur's blind brother and the god of darkness, appropriately. Mm-hmm. So Hodder wasn't playing the game because he couldn't see, so it meant that he couldn't aim things and throw things at Baldur. So he was kind of just like off in the corner being like, man, I wish I could participate in this super fun sounding party game. Oh, no, I see where this is going. Yep. So Loki's like, buddy, you're missing out. Tell you what. And he handed in the mistletoe spear and he's like, I will guide your hand so that you're pointing in the right direction at Baldur. And then you just got to throw it cool and he was like that sounds great this game seems rad i want to participate thank you for accommodating my unique needs and not ostracizing me you know this seems like a good step towards equity so look oh, gives no. him the spear guides his hand and hotter grateful just innocently throws the mistletoe spear at his brother immediately balder drops to the ground and he's dead just the second it touches him game over lights out I <laughs> I don't What does think- it have to do with kissing? Yeah. Oh, just wait. We're not even to that part yet. Because it, it is a... When I say it's a long folklore... It's a long walk, walk it's from a long the Norse. Folk, like, okay. It's a long walk. So. Oh, my God. So, okay. So, now Balder is dead because is dead. his blind brother was tricked by Loki yep. because he just wanted to be accommodated and be able to play. Yeah. And, you know, Loki was the only one who cared about, you know, making accommodations for him so he could participate but in the party. For evil. But for evil. But for mischief, yeah. Mischief. So the other gods are stunned. They're like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Why is he he's, dead? He's dead. He's not supposed to be dead. And Loki fled the scene, classic Loki fashion. Ugh. And they were devastated. And they were devastated not only because everybody loved Balder and he's now dead, but... The second part of the prophecy is that Baldur's death and the associated death of light and truth kicked off the events that led to Ragnarok, the end of the world. So they're all oh, like, well, fuck. We just lost no. our best Brosif, and now everything's, the lights are off. We're all fucked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a mm-hmm. chain reaction. We're all screwed. And this is where the myth diverges into several different endings. In one, Hel, the goddess of death, promises to bring Baldur back to life if every living creature cries over his death. And once again, 99% of the Earth was like, totally, that guy rules, we're really sad, no problem. So they all cry. But Loki steps in to thwart the seemingly feasible plan. In disguise as the giantess Thok, Loki refuses to cry over Baldur. So he... And Baldur's wife, who died of grief at his funeral pyre, she just, like, dropped dead because she was really sad about him being dead. They stayed dead in that version. 
In this version, Loki is eventually caught after some shenanigans where he turned into a salmon, and his punishment was to be imprisoned in a cave with venom dripping onto his body until Ragnarok. So kind of a Prometheus-esque fate for Mm -hmm. Loki. In another version, Frigg is so grief-stricken at the death of her favorite son that she throws herself onto his body and weeps over it. And as her tears hit the mistletoe that pierced him, it is transformed into small white berries and Balder is miraculously brought back to life. Or Frigg maybe begs the gods to restore her son to life, which they do, and in both these versions the end result is the same. Frigg claims mistletoe now is a symbol of love and says that anyone who stands beneath it will come to no harm and will instead receive a kiss as a token of love or even a kiss from Frigg herself. Mm. Seem like a tenuous connection? (laughs) You're not the only one to think so. So historians disagree about whether or not this actually shaped the modern holiday tradition or if it's just a folkloric coincidence that both the death of Baldur and the holiday kissing involve mistletoe. Mm -hmm. Like, in the same way that, like, you know... You'll see myths around drowning around the world, and it's like, this is not to say that it's all related. It's just like, this thing was present in multiple places, and Mm -hmm. so it got involved in a couple different things, you know? Mm -hmm. So it may just be that, you know, mistletoe somehow became associated with kissing, and it also happened to kill Balder. Who knows? Historian Mark Forsyth says that the Christmas mistletoe tradition of kissing originated somewhere between 1720 and 1784, so much, much later than Norse mythology. Mm -hmm. And he says it's because the preeminent apothecary and plant scholar John Colbatch never mentioned kissing under the mistletoe. And this is notable because John Colbatch wrote two books on mistletoe, and in both of them, he included superstitions and customs associated with it. So if it were a thing prior to 1720... It would have been in John Colbatch's book about mistletoe. Books about mistletoe. So the first mention of kissing under mistletoe is from a song published in 1784, which says, What all the men, Jim, John, and Joe, cry, What good luck has sent ye? And kiss beneath the mistletoe, the girl not turned of 20. This was the part where I was like, I vaguely recall this song. Yeah. So I apologize if I've told this story before. It's okay. But after that song, the next big push for mistletoe as a kissing prompt came from Victorian England, where people would make a kissing bowl or a kissing bow out of it. Mm-hmm. So the kissing bowl would be adorned with ribbons and ornaments, and often it would have a small nativity inside of it. And then at the bottom of the round frame of the bowl would hang some mistletoe. Oh. And it would then be hoisted to the rafter, so it would be placed up high. Mm-hmm. Kissing bowls... So the kissing ball was a common tradition at holiday parties, weddings, and other festivities, and guests would play kissing games under them to bring good luck and lasting friendship. Hmm. So it wasn't just a Christmas thing. It was just like anytime people are gathering and having Mm -hmm. a good time, they'd put up a kissing ball and then you'd smooch. Oh. Washington Irving wrote about mistletoe as a holiday tradition, saying, quote, The mistletoe is still hung up in farmhouses and kitchens at Christmas, and the young men have the privilege of kissing the girls under it, plucking each time a berry from the bush. When the berries are all plucked, the privilege ceases. So it used to be tied to the number oh, of berries, berries on the mistletoe. Oh. Mm-hmm. So it's like one smooch, one berry, and then when the berries are gone, no more kissing. <laughs> Keep your lips to yourself. Charles Dickens wrote about the tradition in the Pickwick Papers, but he wrote about it as basically holiday-induced assault, and it's really upsetting, so I'm not going to read that out. No. And it's not a good look. And that's not the only time the tradition is used as a way to threaten women into kissing men, and the threat was bad fortune if they refused. So it was basically a way to, like, peer pressure women who, you know, maybe didn't want to kiss anybody, Mm -hmm. being like, but if you turn me down, you know, we're under the mistletoe, that means you're going to get some bad luck coming your way. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's 18 fucking hundreds. How much worse can it get? Can I really risk it? So, And finally, to wrap up mistletoe chat... Ancient Anglo-Saxons noticed that the mistletoe often grew where birds left droppings, which is how it got its name. Toe derived from tan, which meant twig or branch, and missile, which means dung. Pucker up around the poo stick, kiddos! (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's why-ish we have mistletoe as a kissing tradition. So. Wonderful. Long walk. Long walk, but we got there. We got there, and now we can kiss around the poo stick. (laughs) I would have remembered poo stick, I think. That's the name of this episode. (laughs) 
kiss yeah, around the poo stick. Kiss around the poo stick. <laughs> so if you, you know, in your own house have some sort of decorative mistletoe and you've approached your partner and been like, ooh, we're under the mistletoe, smooch, 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 maybe spice it up, you know? Be like, I'll meet you under the poo stick. <laughs> <laughs> So, my research is on holiday thingies that happen in December. Again, if you're looking for a way to spice things up with your partner, I got your holiday thingy right here. It's a poo stick. (laughs) It's a poo stick. Did you ever play poo sticks when you were a kid? Write to swoopbar.gmail.com if you know what I'm talking about. Is it like pickup sticks? No, it's like, you know, you you go to like a bridge and you and your whoever you're with, it was with my parents, you get branches, like just a stick, and everyone drops it into the river at the same time, and then you run across the bridge to see which one comes out first. It's based on, like, a Winnie the Pooh thing. Oh, okay, I was like, okay, I don't think that's a stick. real game, Sorry. Sasha. No, no, that's a real thing. <laughs> that's why it's called I've a talked, poo I've stick. talked to, yeah, it's, it's, I was it's based on a Winnie like, the Pooh so thing. it's like the poop coming out, but now I no, get no, it. No, 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 it's, it's a Winnie the Pooh related thing. Got yeah. it, got it. Okay, got it. Anyway, <laughs> super our listeners, if you know what I'm talking about, please email, because you Courtney's know, you know. looking at me like... Yeah, I'm looking at you, you like you looked up. at me when I talked about the Michigan dog van that one time. That's true, yeah. So I've got some winter thingies. So, so my first winter thingy. So, all my winter thingy research is from Bustle, Hinduism Today, Britannica, and War Paths to Peace Pipes. So, the first one is uh, Soil or Soyal, the winter solstice of the Hopi uh, in northern Arizona. So, the Hopi Native Americans or American Indians have lived in the northern part of Arizona for more than a thousand years, and one of their most important ceremonies is Soyal, the winter celebration or the great feast of the winter solstice. Soil solstice ceremony. Say that five times fast. I cannot. I'm I'm having a hard (laughs) time. Soil solstice. No, I can't do it. Yeah, soil solstice ceremony is held on December 21st, which is we know as the shortest day of the year in the northern hemisphere and marks the winter solstice. The celebration can go over a period of 16 days, but they basically start with like prayers and supplications and then they end with a feast and something called a kachina dance. Kachinas are like the spirits that watch over the Hopi. So they Mm -hmm. do like very, you know, like traditional dances for that. The actual Native American name for this important ceremony is Soya Langul, which is the term soil is derived from. Hmm. Basically, the Hopi believe that during this time, the Kachinas spirits will come down from their home in the mountains to bring the sun back to the world. So, you know, it's the darkest day of the year, so they're wanting, you know, the sun to come back. And basically that everything that's coming in the uh, about going to come in the next year is arranged at the soil ceremony. Mm. So like your every everything that is to come will come because of that ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know there's you know celebrations that involve you know dancing and singing, giving gifts to children, and there's also like a lot of storytelling. And this isn't just the Hopi Indians as well. It's um, also celebrated by the Southwest Pueblo and Zuni. So it's a very like Southwestern Native American uh, tradition. Yeah. So I, I didn't know about that. So we do have you know like I like that. That yeah, there there's like solstice stuff yeah. in you know pre pre colonized America, which is really yeah. cool. I wonder if the spirits coming down from the mountain, you know, if you've ever been around like deserty mountains, mm-hmm. there's that mist that comes off of them oh, in the cooler seasons. I wonder, you know, yeah, they'll, they'll, it, the, mm-hmm. you see like mist or rains coming down mm-hmm. off, and it, it looks very like mystical. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I really want to look into it a little bit more. Like yeah. there, yeah. But then there's also uh, Sancta Lucia, hey. which is the honoring of Saint Lucy. So if you are familiar at all with the American Girl series, yes, and you know Kirsten, then with you probably were introduced to Saint Lucy as a child. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was actually like my first exposure to this. Same Z's. But then my next exposure was that two of my students, one former, one current, they're both sisters. Oh. They Their family celebrates this holiday. So Thanks. like literally last week, before school let out on December 13th, one of my, my current student came to class with sweets and gave me some, and I'll talk about that in just a second, but I was Aww. just like very excited about it. That's nice. Um, but yeah, so the Feast of St. Lucy is a festival of lights that's traditionally celebrated on December 13th and commemorates St. Lucy, who is a martyr who acted during the Diocletian. 
Tyannic persecution, basically Romans persecuting Christians. They were like, we don't like this. Classic Romans. Yep. But wearing a wreath crowned with candles on her head to light her way and leave her hands free, the fearless Lucy brought food to hiding Christians in the catacombs of Rome. It is mostly celebrated... the cover of the American Girl book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you guys... No, yeah. The wreath, yeah. The wreath, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so she, St. Lucy, brought, brought food to the people who are hiding. So it's mostly celebrated in the Scandinavian countries like Norway, Sweden, and Swedish-speaking areas of Finland due to the idea that, you know, like, it's a festival of light. It would be a pick-me-up during their, like, very dark winters. The farther north you go, the darker it gets, right? Mm-hmm. And in Scandinavian towns, basically, each town will elect its own St. Lucia, Mm-hmm. And the festival will then begin with a procession led by that designee, who is then followed by younger girls dressed in white and wearing lighted wreaths on their heads, and boys dressed in like white as well, and they're all singing traditional songs. And the festival basically marks the beginning of the Christmas season in Scandinavia and is meant to bring like hope and light during this darkest time of year. Schools will generally close around noon on the day of the festivals so that families can prepare for the holiday. And they'll, families will celebrate and observe St. Lucia's Day in their homes by having one of their daughters, usually the eldest, dress in white and serve coffee and baked goods like saffron bread or Lucia Cutter uh, or St. Lucia buns. Basically, it's like this like S-shaped bun that kind of oh, looks like a cat. Uh-huh. It's very good. The one that I got for my student was very good. Or ginger biscuits, also, also dope. <laughs> I, sorry, I was like, I was like so excited about this. It was so good to other members of the family, and also to like any visitors throughout the day. So it's just a very, very cool little holiday to ring in the the holiday season. All right, and then my last one is Pancha Ganapati, or the Hindu alternative to Christmas. Mm. So this one is actually a very modern creation of like a winter holiday. It was created in 1985. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, so very, very recent. Very new. Yeah, Yeah. it's only a little bit older than us. Right. By uh, Sivaya Subramuni Yaswami, who is a Western adoptee of Hinduism. And after establishing a Hindu monastery, in uh, Kauai, Hawaii in the 1970s, he created the festival of Pancha Ganapati as this Hindu alternative to December holidays like Christmas in in the 80s. Basically a gift-giving family-centric winter holiday that happens from December 21st to the 25th where family members work together to mend past mistakes and bring Ganesha's blessings of joy and harmony into five realms of their life with each day becoming a bit broader. So like the first day you're focused on family, then the next day it's on friends, then your associates, then your wider culture, and then finally like the actual religion and like kind of reconnecting with your faith. So with these five days of gift giving at the time of year when Christmas is widely celebrated, basically they were thinking that this would offer Hindu families, especially in the West where Christmas is the most prevalent Mm -hmm. winter holiday, a meaningful way to keep participating in that holiday season without compromising their Hindu values. So, you know, their children will, you know, receive and give gifts just like their non-Hindu friends and adults can fulfill like kind of social customs of sharing gifts, greeting cards, you know, visiting family and friends and that kind of thing without being like, well, am I going against my own like religious customs? Mm-hmm. So, Pancha Ganapati includes outings, picnics, feasts, you know, gift exchanges. A shrine will be created in the main living room of the home and be decorated in the spirit of the occasion. At the center is placed a large wooden or bronze statue of Lord Panchamukha, uh, the five-faced Ganapati, who is a form of Ganesha. Okay. And But also, if you have just a large picture of stat- or statue of Ganesha, that is fine, too. But each morning, the children will decorate and dress him in the color of that day, representing one of his five rays of energy or shaktis. And each day, a tray of sweets, fruit, and incense will be prepared and offered to Lord Ganapati by the children or by whoever is in the family. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, songs will be sung in his praise. And after the worship, diverse sweets are shared by one and all. And each day, colorfully wrapped gifts are given to the children who place them before Pancha Ganapati to open on the fifth day. Adults will also receive gifts too and on each of these five days one of the faces of him is worshipped so you know you can get presents but you can't open it until the last day which I thought, thought was like really cute so it's like you still have to like kind of like 
get through everything, mm-hmm. celebrate with your family before you can like get the kind of the, the rewards at the end, the spoils. Well, I'm just at the imagining end. Yeah. being like a little kid in the anticipation of like yeah, like how exciting it's this day would be. Four and you're like, oh man, oh, I want to open those yeah. presents, right? Because like you know, Hanukkah, you get like a little gift each day, every day, right? yeah, or like. Um, Christmas, you see them starting to pile up, but you know that, like, yeah. you gotta wait for Santa to come before the final gift is given, and then you can open them all. Right, like, and so this is, like, you get a gift, you can receive it, you can say thank you, but you still have to, like, put it off, and you yep. can't do anything about it yet. Ugh, yeah, That's rough. So December 21st is yellow, and the basically you're just trying to create, like, love and harmony among all members of your family. So you, you know, w- wake up early together, you decorate the shrine, you invoke Ganesha's blessing, and then you'll sit together and basically make amends for any past misdeeds, insults, mental pain or injuries that are caused and suffered by each other. So you're basically doing like like a family sit down talking about like, hey, like here are mistakes I've made, like here's how I may have hurt you this year, but you basically like kind of have that I mean, it's, it's like a hard thing to talk about but it's you mm-hmm. know like like you have that it's once like, a year like you gotta you gotta get it off your chest clear yeah clear the air with your family yeah. once a year kind of thing nice. and then you conclude the day by basically extolling each other's best qualities so like you you Aww. get everything off your chest but then you like say like what you like about your circle. family members yeah that's mm-hmm. so sweet i like yeah. that that's i feel like good. Every family needs to do that, yeah. you know, at Where least like, once a year. Hey, it sucked that you borrowed my Switch and then you fucked it up. Yeah. But you know what? You're a smart kid and I appreciate you. Yeah. Or, you know, like, it sucks that, like, you know, you... I, don't, I can't think of anything. Like, it sucks you know, that you, you stole my boyfriend. Right. But, it sucks that you stole my boyfriend. But, but you're a spicy mama yeah. and you go after what you want, which I admire. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No one in my family has stolen my boyfriend. No, I was going to say, record. like, that's that's not something that happened to me. But that sounds feasible. My grandma reason. stole all of her sister's boyfriends. Oh. So it's, like, notable. Okay, so, yeah, she would need to clear the air with them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. They waited until Thanksgiving, like, five years ago. And they were like, we stopped bringing boys to the house because you of would you. steal all of them. <laughs> Dang. All right. December 22nd is the next day, and it's the color is blue. So now you're trying to do the, kind of the same thing amongst your neighbors, relatives, and close friends. So you're presenting heartfelt gifts and then, again, offering apologies to clear up any ill will that may exist. If you have family and friends in far-off places, that you write to them or you call them and you try to like release any tensions that might exist from the past year. And then the 23rd is red, and that's to, again, now just... <gasps> oh, today is the 23rd. And yes. I'm wearing You're red. wearing red. I have little bits of red on me. It counts. Yeah, it counts. So it's basically now you're looking at your business associates, the public, your community. This is where you present gifts to your fellow workers or customers. You honor your employees with gifts and appreciation. And basically, if you owe anyone anything, you settle your debt or any disputes you might have. Yeah. I did present a gift to my coworkers today because nice. for the purposes of the story, you need to know that the name of my department rhymes with Boney M, kind of. Okay. And I decided when I signed off for my early release day, I would write, you know, tis the day before the leave day and mm-hmm. all through my department name, not a creature was stirring, not even Euro-Caribbean vocal band <laughs> Boney M. And so I introduced my coworkers to... The singers of Rasputin. <laughs> so, oh, my God. So that was a gift to them. That was a gift to them. Like, my manager even said, like, I'm going to have to look up this bony M. And I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> Imagine learning about bony M at Christmas time. Oh, what a Christmas miracle. Oh, what a Christmas miracle. miracle. And you get to learn about Rasputin, too. That's true. All kinds of education. All kinds of education. <laughs> that Kingsman movie is coming out where mm-hmm. Rasputin is in it, so you gotta yeah. have some of that background information. I did not realize that movie was about Rasputin. I assumed it was like a uh, Kingsman C- Secret Service preview or prequel. It, it, yeah. And then I saw the trailer and I was like, that dude looks a lot like Rasputin. And it was! <laughs> and it was! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm the dumbest All boy right. in school. No, I, I'm the dumbest boy in school. No, I'm the dumbest boy. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. <laughs> 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 I'm 
We're both not smarticus. Get it? Not smarticus just boys in school. <laughs> All right. Okay. okay. December 24th, tomorrow, yes, is green. And I so was this planning is... on wearing green tomorrow. Nice. This is going to sound like I'm just saying that, but genuinely, no. I planned this outfit out green. like a week ago. Yeah. Bananas. So now we're dr- drawing forth that vibration of joy and harmony that comes from art, music, drama, and dance. And family and friends and relatives gather before Ganesha to share their artistic gifts, discuss the Hindu Dharma, and make you know plans to bring more cultural refinements into the home. So day four, remember, is culture. So you're trying to like, it's not, you know, it, it can be like your town's culture. It can be like outward culture. It can also be like fine arts or performing arts. Fine that arts, kind of thing. like so, teaching people about Rasputin by Boney. Right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know, bringing music into the house, right? Boniem is music, so that counts. So, counts. yeah, you're just trying to, you know, share positive artistic things with, with the people in your life. And then December 25th, finally, is orange. And this is where you're bringing forth love and harmony through charity and religiousness. So this is the day that you finally get to open your gifts and everyone experiences Ganesha's abundant, loving presence filling their home and hearts that inspire them, you know, anew for the coming year. And then you might go out and do some service, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's just like finally like the last day to celebrate and like come together and sh- spread love around. So really it's nice. cool. It's like five, it's, it's five days of like, it. you know, con- reconnecting with your family, mm-hmm. your friends, your coworkers and your community and art and yeah, service. And I stuff. think that's, that's cool. And I've never heard of this before. Me neither. That's um, top tier. Yeah, so I thought that was really, really interesting December holiday. So Love it. Yeah, love it. That was Pancha Ganapati. Love it. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to hear about why we leave cookies and milk for Santa? Please tell me. Great. Pray tell. So this I left carrots out for the reindeer. I did too. Yeah. As a pre-header to this story, I did not know I was going to be talking about this when I saw this thing on Facebook. But mm-hmm. so a friend of mine on Facebook is a friend of my partner's that I've met, you know, mm-hmm. He's a perfectly nice guy. He's Jewish. And he posted the other day, friends who grew up celebrating Christmas. Did you actually leave cookies and milk out for Santa? Or is it, as I assume, just a pop culture thing that we all agreed, like, that's what that's what people do. Right. And he got, like... Because if he's Jewish, he Jewish, doesn't so do it. his household didn't yeah. do that because they didn't have Santa Claus. So he was just, like, he just always assumed it was, like, a TV thing, you know, like, the way... I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but the way, you know, certain, sometimes, like, on TV, people, like, we all agree that we do this, even though that's not a thing that people do. hmm So, he thought it was one of those, where it's like, yeah. you know, years ago, some set designer was like, yeah, let's leave out cookies and milk for Santa, and that was that. Right. And he got, like, over 100 comments of all these people saying, yes, absolutely, I left cookies and milk out for Santa, or, yeah, we left coffee and eggnog, or, oh, yeah, and I left a carrot out for the reindeer, too. And he was shocked. (laughs) He was like, I cannot believe this. So then he did a follow-up post saying, Jewish friends and friends who grew up not celebrating Christmas, did you know this was real? (laughs) So, I dedicate this to Joe, who is almost certainly not listening, but if you are, thanks Joe. (laughs) That really entertained me. Anyway, this comes from walkinfuzzcandies.com. Like I said, it's my new favorite source for stuff. History.com, wearechefs.com, New York Post, and NPR. Oh, I'm going to read directly from my notes for a minute. I'm going to level with you, dear listener. I have never given much thought to leaving cookies and milk out to Santa. I assumed it had origins in leaving out offerings to a deity of your choosing, which is a pretty worldwide practice. I was wrong. Oh. Nothing to do with that. Even though, you know, all over the world, it's like, you have a little shrine, you leave an orange in it or whatever, and then, like, the god will be nice to you. Right. Nothing to do with that. I just assumed it was from that. Not correct. Theories abound as to why exactly we leave cookies and milk out for Santa, because he's the bringer of gifts and glad tidings, and so, you know, maybe we just give him something. Mm -hmm. We'll go through these in chronological-ish order, because who truly knows what came first? Again, directly from my notes, not me. I know nothing all the time, and I'm mostly thinking about the holiday baking I am doing in the next 48 hours. (laughs) It's true. Right now I'm sitting here being like, oh, I should have left butter out to soften. Oh, well, what can you do? What can you do? (laughs) Returning to Norse mythology for a minute, the cookies for Santa tradition may be tied to one involving chief god Odin. As we know from our Norse mythology episode, Odin rode an eight-legged horse called Slepnir. 
Yes. And during the Yule season, Odin and Sleipnir would go on a hunting adventure and they'd travel around the world over the course of this hunting trip. Mm -hmm. Children would leave out hay and other treats, sometimes stuffed in shoes, for Sleipnir so that the horse would stop and Odin, in gratitude, would leave behind some gifts for those children. So this tradition carried on into Denmark, Belgium, and the Netherlands, where children still leave hay and carrots out. Only now, it's for the horses that carry Santa's sleigh and not the eight-legged horse that carries Odin. Mm. So maybe it's a Norse thing. Immigrants from these nations then brought that tradition to America, where it evolved into milk and cookies for Santa and possibly carrots for his reindeer. The Dutch even brought over the cookies, which were originally spelled C-O-O-K-E-Y-S, in the late 18th century. But... Those cookies were cakier than modern cookies. So they'd be oh. like the size of a plate and they'd be thick and fluffy rather than like what we think of in America. So like as a pancake. Now. Yeah. More like or or more or like sponge cake. A sponge cake, yeah, mm-hmm. is, is my understanding. More like a gingerbread style of oh, thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, rather yeah. than like like a like a soft gingerbread, not like a yeah, crispy. Like a soft gingerbread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. The tradition could also be tied to the Feast of St. Nicholas on December 6th, because during the feast, children would leave snacks out for St. Nicholas and mm-hmm. his attendants to bribe them into leaving gifts behind. Mm. Or it could be tied to Germany, where people would decorate a paradise tree, which was a fir tree hung with apples to represent the Garden of Eden on December 24th. They would hang wafers on the tree to represent the Eucharist, which is the communion mm-hmm. wafer. Yeah. And... Over the years, that those wafers would eventually morph into cookies of various shapes. So on the original Paradise Trees, people would put apples, wafers, and I think candles uh-huh. on the original tree. And in some versions of this tradition, Santa was said to snack on what was on the Paradise Tree while oh. he was leaving gifts behind. So yeah. it was like, oh, there's a cookie here. I'm just going to go ahead and help myself because I- I'm doing a lot of work. I went to a Swiss Bakery's Swissmas event mm-hmm. last weekend or two weekends ago, mm-hmm. and yeah, they had like hang like ornaments made out of cookies. Yeah, like so that yeah that so may that be sounds, why. Okay, that sounds right. The Paradise Tree obviously eventually became the modern Christmas tree right. because you know Prince Albert of Inacan fame brought the mm-hmm. Christmas tree to the UK based on his childhood, I believe, spent in Germany, mm-hmm. and. When he and Victoria were pictured next to it, everybody was like, I want one of those. Yeah. And so Paradise Tree became the Christmas tree. Yeah. And Queen Victoria, just on she, top of all of these. She's like, all of the wedding traditions tie back to her. All of the Christmas the wh- traditions tie back to her. Like, Queen Victoria was a trendsetter. She was. And her husband was in a can. So once the Paradise Tree completed its morphing into the Christmas tree. Cookies and apples were replaced with ornaments, Mm -hmm. but people still had that lingering association of Santa snacks on the cookies that are on the tree. We should leave some cookies out for Santa. And so, again, probably trickled down to America by way of German immigrants who brought Mm -hmm. the tradition over with them. Regardless of origins, leaving cookies out for Santa really took off in the U.S. during the Great Depression. Despite the economic hardship of the 1930s, many parents tried to teach their children to be generous, give to others, and show gratitude for gifts by leaving out milk and cookies for Santa. So mm. it was, and this was particularly notable because at the time sugar was really expensive. Yeah. So it was a way to be like, be grateful for what you have, even though it's not very much, and save the best of it to give to someone else mm. as an act of kindness. Mm-hmm. And I put in my notes, what a concept. Teaching your kids not to be selfish and just do whatever they want for all fucking eternity. <laughs> like, we could do with maybe a little bit more of that. Yeah. Hashtag just saying. Around the world, the treats left out for Santa vary. So in the UK and Australia, children will leave out mince pies and a glass of sherry. In Ireland, kids leave out a pint of Guinness alongside their cookies, so Santa's <laughs> sleigh ride and sloshed. While in Denmark, children leave out a bowl of rice pudding for Santa to share with his elves. Aww. So depending on who you ask in Denmark, it's either for Santa and the elves or it's just for the elves because they're like, we're cutting out this Santa middleman. We're getting to the people who are making the toys. Aww. Enjoy some rice pudding. The rice pudding was also to keep the elves from pulling pranks over the course of the Christmas oh, season. Oh, sure, because elves. Because yeah. elves, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, we've talked about them before. We have, but so. I was just thinking, like, how, how nice, like, everyone... Like, has all these different sweets they give to Santa. Mm-hmm. 
Swedish children leave out cups of coffee because they know it's going to be a long night for Santa. So they're like, we got you, buddy. While German children have left behind the origins of the Paradise Tree snacks to leave letters to Santa out on Christmas Eve. Mm. So over the course of the entire season, German children will either send their letters into one of six designated addresses for him or they'll leave it out on Christmas Eve so he can pick it up on the way. Did you know we have so the Santa letters in America go to Santa, Indiana? Oh, yeah. That's nice. Yeah, and they—that's they commu- that's like community Santa members. Lives? Community members will write to write back to the kids. Aw, yeah, that's nice. That's nice, yeah. In Argentina and the Netherlands, kids leave out snacks for the reindeer or horses. So either hay and water or carrots inside wooden shoes, respectively. So they're just like, you have to pull all these toys. Here's a little snack for you guys. Aww. French children split the difference and leave out a glass of wine for Père Noël and fill their <laughs> shoes with hay, carrots, and other treats for Gui, his donkey. And Aww. Gui is the French word for mistletoe. So it's Pooh Stick the donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I love all of these. These are I, so good. I'm like trying to so think of what am I going to do with my future children? You can switch it up every year. I'm going to switch it up every year. We're going to do something different. Yeah, every year. We don't well, have a chimney, gonna... so I need to well, figure that out. you know, Santa could... Most of my life, I didn't have a chimney. Yeah, and he I didn't question you. it. Yeah, my yeah. parents were just like, "He finds a way," and I'm like, "Okay, yeah. no further questions." Yeah, you know, he'll find a way. He'll come in through the heating vent. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. He's magic. He can yeah. do whatever he wants. In America, it is estimated that each year Santa eats more than 300 million cookies on Christmas <gasps> Eve. <laughs> so that is a look at why we leave cookies out for Santa. I love it. So. Oh. Are you leaving something out for Santa this year? What are you leaving out for him? Are you leaving out a pint of Guinness for yourself? Or Merry Christmas pint, to you. Pint, of, pint of coffee? <laughs> yeah, a pint of coffee to be up all night. The coffee like, Guinness? Spoiler alert. Mm. When I was growing up, we would leave out a carrot for the reindeer, and we'd also leave out cookies for Santa. And my parents would, like, eat the cookie over the plate so there'd be crumbs and, like, bites taken out of stuff. And I'm just imagining, you know, we left out a cup of coffee. Would they just have dumped it out? Or would one parent be like, I guess I'm staying up all night? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have many uh, questions. I do. I do, too. Oh. Did your parents do that? Did they eat the cookies that you left out for Santa? I think so. Yeah. There was never any cookies left, and the milk and clearly was drunk or poured out. I or, don't know. Or God. <laughs> or just got The milk was, yeah, the, yeah. It was no longer in the cup, but there was evidence that there had been milk in the cup. So, mm. so you knew And the was... carrots, carrots are usually gone. Well, yeah, because they yeah, eat the carrots. Because they I, eat the carrots, I, yeah. I remember there were a couple years when I was little where I would also leave a carrot out for the Easter bunny. Because I was like, we leave stuff out for Santa and then nobody feeds this rabbit. And he's bringing (laughs) stuff too. So like, I also used to write letters to the tooth fairy though. And then the tooth fairy, aka my mom, would write me back. And then I got the idea that like, oh, I should write to all of these creatures. And so I also one year wrote a letter to the Easter bunny and he didn't write me back. And I was really sad. My mom goes... Well, he has paws. He can't. He can't hold a Aww. pen. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, okay." Okay. <laughs> I would write letters to characters in my books. Oh, <laughs> that's adorable. Who did you write letters to when you were a kid? Email spoopower at gmail.com. We're planning on doing another childhood episode of childhood yeah. fears, but maybe we'll we'll lift us up at the end with like wholesome childhood shit. Yeah. Like who you wrote? My tooth fairy's name was Twinkle Star. Oh, nice. Very creative. I just called her Miss Tooth Fairy. That's nice. I think yeah. the first one I wrote was like, to the tooth fairy, in parentheses, uh, to whom it may concern, concern. or whatever. But, <laughs> yeah, but it was, you know, just when she wrote back to me. small child, Courtney, to whom, to whom it, it may concern. concern. Dear sir or madam. madam. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this letter finds you well. <laughs> No, and then when she wrote back, she signed it Twinkle Star. And at one point, I asked what they did with the teeth, and she dodged the answer. She was like, "I can't say." And I was like, "That that makes sense. Yeah. I, I can't am not know." Li- I am not liable. Yeah, to she's say. like legally, I'm I'm not able to say. I signed an NDA. <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> so yeah, who did you write to as a kid? Did you write letters to Santa? I don't think we may have written letters to Santa like one time, but I don't think we regularly did it. Yeah, we went to see him. You know. Yeah. Although, as a kid, I knew mall Santas weren't Santa. I just thought they were, like, minions of Santa who reported back. Yeah. Like, I knew it wasn't the real deal. They have a Santa shortage this year. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. If you were a jolly old fellow, would you want a bunch of strange kids who may or may not be vaccinated and crawling all over you? It's like like that, plus, like, pay, plus, Mm. like, there are a lot of comorbidities that Santas have. So... 
many have died yeah. in the last two years. So, yeah. But the real Santa has not died. That's just true. His, He's his minions. going to live forever. Yeah. We should Santa, start a virtual Santa, Santa service. I feel like I'd be a good Santa. Yeah. Like, I have a pretty deep voice. Just slap a beard on me. Give me a hat. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Actually, so I, could, yeah, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Next year. I'll hire you if, as my future children's Santa. If you, if you want me to virtually Santa for you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, have you been a good child this year? Ho, 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 ho. Make sure you get new clothes, otherwise the Yule Cat will eat you. I'll be like a weird Santa. <laughs> like okay, I need to hurry up and have yeah. a baby so you can <laughs> yeah, scare my child. All those eggs. All those eggs. All those eggs, just dozens. Dozens. Baker's dozens of them. No, just, just one or two. That's true. Yeah. Please don't have 13 children. Oh. It's too many. That would, it's too many. Anyway, anyway, email spoopoutgmail.com all of your thoughts, your concerns, yeah, your happiness. Yeah, if you have if you have weird things that you did as a child that are kind of creepy, if you had childhood fears, like what was something you were like super scared of as a child? Yeah. I'm sure that there are some that I didn't talk about the first time we did of this course. episode that are just going to come bubbling up while I'm thinking about it. And also if there's like little happy things about childhood, the yeah. cute things that you've done so we can lift everyone up at the end. Just talk to us about like, you know, stuff. We love hearing from you. Yeah. So. Or yeah. just tell us about your day. Yeah. yeah. If, you're, if you celebrate Christmas, this is going up after Christmas. Mm-hmm. We hope you had a happy Christmas, a Merry yeah. Christmas, if you celebrate it. If you don't celebrate Christmas, we hope you had a happy Saturday and are hopefully enjoying some time off of work. Yeah. Taking it easy for a little bit, put your feet up. Yeah. Hanging and, out for a bit. And not being too hard on yourself about the upcoming new year. Mm-hmm. It's time You're to doing relax. Your You're doing your best. Yeah. And that's impressive, you know? Yeah. As we, as we close out this god-awful year, you're hanging in there. And yeah. I'm proud of you. So. I'm proud of you, too. Gold star. We're doing, we're doing great. We're doing great. Gold stars all around. Santa's proud of you. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho.